Nothing quite like experiencing all five stages of grief and then throwing it all away in a span of two hours, which is what we did yesterday with the Tehran Armstead injury scare. We are talking about that here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting with Joe Marino. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorites. Podcasts, special shout out to our everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis. So we don't just say it, we live it. It's your team every day. Um, yesterday... <laughs> was quite the day. And we're going to talk about it here today on the show. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, Toronto Arbstead gave everyone the scare of all scares. <laughs> uh, in a very short amount of time, it went from optimism that Teron Armstead was not only going to be ready to go for the start of the season, but that the Dolphins were going to have an upgraded offensive line with Isaiah Wynn and Robert Jones competing at left guard with Lee Meikenberg and Austin Jackson being back and him potentially being an athletic upgrade at right tackle over Brandon Shell to uh, Teron Armstead being out for the season. And the, the offensive line is a crumbled mess and the world is over. And then Teron Armstead said, just kidding. <laughs> Um, as I understand it, Teron Armstead, and he's, he's since posted a couple of times on social media in the aftermath of this injury scare, 11 on 11 first play. And by the way, Teron Armstead has been participating selectively on 11 on 11, both with the dolphins internally and in, in other joint practices to kind of build him up to the start of the season. Uh, but Teron Armstead first practice of 11 on 11 against Houston, and they run the ball to his side and. There's kind of a pileup of bodies, and he gets rolled up on from behind on his right leg and walks gingerly off the field. I knew several people that were in attendance at practice, and all of them collectively said, uh, yeah, Teron got uh, rolled up on. It doesn't look good. The body language isn't necessarily great. And then you're reading the reports, and Teron's sitting on the training table talking to Chris Greer, and then they bring out the cart for him. And then they cart him in after he walked off on his own power, walked off the field. They tried to put his shoe on, but they gave up trying to put his shoe on. And then the reports start coming out. And it was really fascinating to see, like, hearing from people who were there about how things transpired versus what the social media headline snowball looked like, where I got a text as soon as it happened, said, man, Teron got rolled up on. Um, walked off the field pretty dangerously or walked off the field pretty gin gingerly looked like a dangerous play to looks like they're going to cart him off, not make him walk back to the headlines. And one aggregation account picks up a report from a beat reporter. And then another aggregation account picks up the account from the aggregation account that took the report from the beat reporter. And then a third aggregation account takes the report from the report from the report from the report. And it turned into a Tron Armstead carted off at practice. 
And if I don't know what's happening and I just get the ping on my phone from an app that says Teron Armstead was carted off in practice, my expectation is that of this is a player who had an incident happen and he had to literally be driven off the field because he could not move and could not get up. So I think that's it. It was another nice reminder for me of kind of the embodiment of the uh, social media age and how quickly information uh, is passed, but how much of what actually happens is missed when you're that rapidly transferring information from one account to another account to another account to another account. Long story short, I'm not here to, to beat the dead horse of social media and the dangers of social media and not having a complete picture of of information that you're receiving and it setting false expectations and then you emotionally reacting to it in a negative way because you don't have the full picture and that's not your fault. It's, it's their fault. Uh, it's, it's the snowball and it's the world that we live in. So anyway, I digress. Um, then you hear from uh, some of the beat reporters after practice, Teron posts a video of himself walking freely Uh Somebody posts a video of Tehran with crutches. They say he's going to get scans. Cam Wolf of NFL Network comes out and says, Tehran just texted me and says, I'm going to be good. Tyreek Hill comes out after practice with his media availability and says, uh, yeah, I talked to Tehran. He said, I'm, I'm going to be straight. I'm just old. So what is it? Well, you know, Ian Rappaport comes out last night, says the scans look good. Tehran Armstead's going to be not expected to need surgery, should be on track to work for being ready for the start of the season. Teron Armstead himself comes out and posts that, yeah, I got rolled up on, happens in the trenches, eyes on week one, let's go. All much ado about nothing, right? Yes and no. You're never going to help being rolled up on. And that that's what I said in the immediate aftermath. When I got the text that I got, and then we kind of heard from Teron and saw him up and moving around, uh, you're it's a very difficult play to avoid being rolled up on from behind in the trenches. It happens. And for Teron Armstead and his injury history and knowing that he got his knee scoped, that's all well documented. But I would rather have you, if you're Teron Armstead, get rolled up on in a play that is unfortunate and innocent and unavoidable than for there to be this internal isolated issue with a joint that exacerbates on its own. At least there's a play in question you could look to and say, yeah, there, there, a lot of guys would be driven off the practice field so they don't have to walk all the way into the facility with that type of play, especially when you're not at your own facility. Um, but it, 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 this whole incident has prompted us as Dolphins fans to take a collective step back and ask a lot of questions. Now, it sounds like Teron Armstead is going to be full bore ahead. Obviously, he did have his knee scoped. He started on PUP. He looked good when I was down in Miami Gardens to see the team practicing. Uh, he was activated when I was down there. You got to see your first glimpses of him. I don't know that I would ever have Teron Armstead practice again. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, if Tehran's going to have an incident where it's something that impacts his health, for how valuable he is to the offensive line, you would much rather see that common a setting that is playing for keeps. 
And the team re really treated him like that last year, all year, although it's hard to say what they would have treated him like if he didn't have the toe injury in the first half of the first game of the season. But um, looking forward for Tehran, looking forward for this offensive line, the state of mind in which we were placed in for a few hours in the midst of the Tron Armstead incident uh, forced a lot of us to ask some questions. And then we're going to explore what some of those questions were and uh, kind of just check in with the state of the offensive line for contingencies and what it's going to look like moving forward for Tehran Armstead and the rest of this Miami Dolphins offensive line. And we're going to do that next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. These days, every potential new hire feels like a high-stakes wager for you and your small business. That's why you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile on LinkedIn so that people know that you're hiring. And screening questions and other simple tools make sure that you can be dialed in on the right candidates with the right skills so you could quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. To post your job for free, terms and conditions do apply. As we... Get rolling here uh, is worth acknowledging the Locked On Dolphins subtext community. You could text 305-419-3924 to be able to text and talk directly with me. Something new that we've added uh, in the course of the past week. We also have a group community where you guys can talk amongst yourselves if you want to avoid the mass panic and chaos of a headline out of context on social media and everybody's brains melting about it. And you want to be able to talk directly with me about it. You can text with me with subtext. You can join our subtext community as well and talk amongst yourselves in uh, kind of a, a little Garden of Eden, if you will. Uh, so that is text Dolphins to 305-419-3924 to sign up. You can get your first two weeks free. Find out if you like it and if it's for you. If not, no worries. You can cancel it. If you like it, it's a couple bucks a month. So uh, just food for thought in the midst of... Uh, the headline era that we live in and the uh, content aggregation era that we live in in social media and how that impacts your ability to uh, fan with clarity. But the incident with Tron Armstead forced us to ask a lot of questions. And I think there's two storylines that I, that I know I wanted to talk with everybody about that are on my mind. One is what the current offensive line market looks like for players that are available. And the other thing that's on my mind is what combinations would make the most sense for the Dolphins. And I think that's, that's for me, where I want to start, is, is with what we know now, having seen what we've seen from the Dolphins' offensive line, where do things shake out with the players that you currently have on the roster? Because people have been asking me about Signing Dalton Risner. People have been asking me about uh, DJ Fluker. And for those kinds of players, I think you do have to look at the Dolphins' collection of talent and recognize with the positional versatility that they have, I do think it's going to be a challenge for you to get more than a handful of guys that would come in and break into the barrier and stratosphere of performance that is going to put you on the 53-man roster. 
right? So you think about what the Dolphins have offensively. You have Teron Armstead, injury scare averted. Your other projected starting tackle is Austin Jackson. Say what you will about Austin Jackson. Right now he's projected to be the starter at right tackle. Right now your swing tackle is Kendall Lamb. I don't know that you have another offensive tackle that you're in love with being on the 53 between Cedric Gugwehi and James Tunstall and Jerron Christian. Uh, I, I think those guys are largely non-negotiables right now. Gugwehi obviously is an experienced guy, but I just don't think the play has necessarily been there yet. Uh, Ryan Hayes obviously is a draft selection in the seventh round, but that's a long shot to make the roster, and he's probably, if we're being honest, better suited to play on the interior anyway. So... You've got, let's consider it, three locks at tackle. That might be problematic until you stop and realize, or stop and ask yourself, Isaiah Wynn can play tackle. So there's a fourth tackle eligible player. Liam Eikenberg can play tackle. There's a fifth tackle eligible player. And Robert Hunt can play tackle. So you have six tackle eligible players on the line. Now, one of them is going to start at left guard. The other one is guaranteed to start at right guard. Uh, maybe one of them starts at left guard, I should say. You do have Robert Jones and, and Lester Cotton, who the team seems committed to giving an honest look there. But if you have three locks that are tackle-specific players, Tron Armstead, Kendall Lamb, Austin Jackson, and then you have this trio of guards that can play tackle in Isaiah Wynn, Lee Eikenberg, Robert Hunt. You have two centers that are center and guard flexible players and Connor Williams and Dan Feeney. That's eight players. We haven't mentioned Robert Jones yet. We haven't mentioned Lester Cotton yet. They're gonna, they're not gonna carry 10 offensive linemen. It's an obscenely high number for a unit that has the amount of positional versatility that the Dolphins do. So if you're going to go out and add somebody else, it's going to have to be a player that cracks above the threshold of performance of some of these players. Now, I think Liam Eikenberg's draft status is probably saving him a little bit. Because if we're being honest, I would probably rather have every other player that we've mentioned. Armstead, Williams, Hunt, Jackson, Robert Jones, Dan Feeney, Isaiah Wynn, Kendall Lane. Like Liam's probably ninth on my personal pecking order for the offensive line the second round pick that's a whole different conversation and we all know it's a problem but that's if you're going to add somebody to the mix they got to be able to crack into that threshold right which really limits the field and so that that's i think the thing that maybe gets lost and and you have to challenge yourself to work through is okay what what did the contingencies look like with what you have on the roster to which i think there's two separate answers or at least there would be for me i'm not mike mcdaniel I'm not Butch Berry. I'm not Frank Smith. But if I know Teron Armstead is going to miss one game for me, what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to take whoever was going to be the left guard and they're going to stay at left guard. If you told me Teron Armstead is going to miss week one, he'll be back and ready for week two. If Isaiah Wynn wins the left guard spot, I would keep Isaiah Wynn at left guard and I, my four other spots would all be the same and I would just take Kendall Lamb as my swing tackle and insert him in. If you told me Teron Armstead's going to go on the PUP or if Teron Armstead's going to go on IR and Teron Armstead's going to miss a month, then in that case, I think your best combination for an extended period of time is probably to take Isaiah Wynn and move him outside to left tackle, which he played at a high level in New England for several seasons before they moved him to right tackle for you-know-whats and giggles. 
There's no reason to do it. <laughs> and it was an objective disaster. Um, I, I would move in a long-term situation. Isaiah Wynn would then become the left tackle. And then you're opening up the left guard competition once again between Lee Meikenberg, Robert Jones, Lester Cott. Now, I think that gives you several pathways for contingencies for uh, if you were to go off the board and bring somebody in who's not currently under contract. But um, it sounds like we're not going to be in that position, at least right now. And we should consider ourselves very thankful that that's the case. But that's kind of where my state of mind is. We're, we're wrapping our head around, wow, we Teron dodged a bullet here. We're really thankful. Let's hope he's ready for week one. As you take, take inventory on what the Dolphins have, that would be my frame of mind. Is in a one-game gap situation, I would try to maintain as much of the integrity of the chemistry of the rest of the group as you possibly can. And one of the locked-on Dolphin subtexters who joined the community group asked in the community group yesterday, you know, how do we, how do we reconcile um, that you might not get any snaps with the starting five all on the field at the same time before the start of the regular season? It's a legit concern. Now, thankfully, you're in year two of the program. The vast majority of these players are returning starters, right? Teron Armstead and Connor Williams are returning starters. So whoever's in that left guard spot, assuming they're a new player, which is the uh, assumption we're operating under right now, uh, will have players on either side of them that can make sure the communication's right. But you would love to have your five committed to and out there and, and participating and, and working to build chemistry. It's probably not a, a world the Dolphins are going to have a lot of uh, experience in before you start playing for keeps in September. We will look at players off the board. I do think it, for peace of mind in the midst of the Toronto Armstead injury scare, you would like to see the Dolphins add another piece that you feel like is a starting caliber player because we went through the depth. The challenge is how many of these guys are starting caliber players? I think Kendall Lamb's probably an ideal swing tackle. It's not necessarily a starting caliber player. I think your starting caliber players, Teron Armstead, Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson's to be determined effectively in his third year, even though he's in his fourth year. I think he's a fringe replacement level player right now for being honest, just be based off of the limited snaps that we saw. I do think there is a pathway in this scheme for him to, to become an adequate level starter. I don't think he's ever going to be a star or a plus player. I think he can be an adequate level starter right now. It's the ceiling. But I think you got four guys and then behind them, Kendall Lamb, I think that's a depth player. Dan Feeney, that's a depth player. Robert Jones is probably a depth player. So can you find one other guy to in, bring into the mix here that would bump somebody out that could be a starting caliber player? Well, that's what we're going to look at to bring this episode of Locked on Dolphins to a close. We're going to look at who is out there. Who can you go out and get if you wanted to accomplish just that with some of this salary cap space that the Dolphins have at their disposal? That's next here. So stick with us on Locked on Dolphins. First name that comes to mind is Dalton Risner. Uh, the, I guess the the thing that you wish was different for Dalton Risner is, first of all, he's a young player who plays at the guard position. He's been a multi-year starter and is unsigned on August 18th. What the heck is going on here? Surely the Dolphins are not doing 
negligence in their research in that, especially relative to the other 31 teams. No one's committed to Dalton Risner. I don't know what's going on there as far as why he's still without a team. I've asked around. I've heard some assertions, but it's all second and third hand information that I wouldn't put on the show and, and be irresponsible about with that information. I don't know. I can't say with any level of certainty. Now, if the Dolphins did an assessment, they brought him in and they deemed him he, like he even had a visit in Minnesota and still didn't sign. It's weird. If they did an assessment, they decided, hey, we, we want to take the shot. I think that's a player that would be an upgrade over your seven six, seven, eight spots right now with the offensive lineman that you have. I do think he's an adequate level starter. The challenge is he's not position flexible. So now you're pigeonholing yourself into, okay, are you going to sign him to exclusively be the backup left guard for Isaiah Wynn? And then in any situation, Isaiah Wynn would kick out to guard and he would bump up to left guard. Would he start over Isaiah Wynn? Like there's, there's, more questions in my mind that are invoked by bringing in Isaiah or, or bringing in Dalton Risner that would not necessarily alleviate the biggest question that you have because he's a guard exclusive player. At offensive tackle, I guess I should touch on, on DJ Fluker. I've heard from a number of Dolphins fans about DJ Fluker, and he looks to be in great shape. I know he worked out, did a workout, uh, used to be with the team, didn't work out the last time he, he signed with the Dolphins. Here's where I'm at with DJ Fluker. He hasn't played a snap in an NFL game since 2020. So for as good as he looks, as good as his workout is, for as good as his shape as he is in, I don't think signing DJ Fluker brings you any closer to an answer to any of your questions. I'm not, my head's not hitting the pillow at night, sleeping any better because I know DJ Fluker is your seventh offensive lineman on the roster instead of Robert Jones. I mean, that that's just my opinion, but that for me is is the barrier with DJ Flukers. It's like, okay, okay like, great. You, you look great. You move great. You haven't played in a game since 2020. It's 2023, guys. <laughs> it's, it's been a minute. So would I be receptive to a veteran minimum deal for him to come in? Sure. Do I think it's worth it at this stage in the game when you got to cut down your roster in 10 days? Probably not. Offensive tackle, the name that does stick out to me. If you wanted a fourth tackle, like no doubt about it, tackle exclusive player and a really, really quality uh, hedge on what you have. I think the name that stands out to me, and he's out there, he's still out there because of age. Jason Peters. Jason Peters was once upon a time a stud with the Philadelphia Eagles. He played 11 years in Philadelphia. He played his first five years in Buffalo. He's bounced around the last two seasons. He played in 15 games as a starter, as a 39-year-old starter in 2021 for the Chicago Bears. And then he played in 2022. He played in 10 games uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. He played 235 snaps offensively as a 40-year-old tackle for the Cowboys last year. And he was decent. That'd be the dude that I would ring up. He played 853 snaps and was respectable in 2021 at 39 years old. And he was a freak athlete. So if you wanted to bring in a tackle that I think could be a competent starter, the only name that's out there right now that you wouldn't have to trade and move assets for, 
that I'm interested in committing to that I think would legitimately be an upgrade. He'd be an upgrade over Kendall Lamb. There's nobody else out there on the open market I think you could say that for. It's Jason Peters. I'd love for the Dolphins to do it. You got $13.5 million. I understand you got a salary cap conundrum to solve. I understand you got to figure out the Christian Wilkins money. You're going to put more money into the front end of this deal. Are you not? Are you just going to use it as rollover cap? They got some stuff to figure out. I get it. You're probably going to add a nose tackle. That would be my move. And I, I, I would have done it yesterday. I would have called him up as soon as Tehran came off the practice field. And in reconciling what life would look like without Teron Armstead, uh, I would still make that move. I'm not Chris Greer. Hopefully the position flexibility that they've baked in uh, is sufficient. Hopefully Teron Armstead's injury scares out of the way for now. Um, but depth will be tested as it is for all 32 teams across the entire NFL and how well the Dolphins can can bridge throughout that course of time whenever that may be, be it maybe at Teron Armstead or Austin Jackson or Connor Williams or anybody else. Uh, it's going to be a big determinant in the consistency of this offensive performance this season. So crisis averted, much ado about nothing. Teron Armstead gave us the scare of our lives. I went through all five stages of grief in 20 minutes and then flushed it down the toilet two hours later. Tis the world we live in. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Listen, uh, tomorrow we are going to have a pregame preview for the preseason game, and then we're going to do a postgame recap podcast. So you got one coming in the morning tomorrow on Saturday, and then you got one coming Saturday night that's effectively going to serve as your Sunday show. Look, I mean it, guys. Your team every day here on the Lockdown Network. So keep it locked in with us here on the Lockdown Network. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host. Hope you guys appreciate the show. Shout out to our everydayers. Hope to see you tomorrow for more Dolphins Talk. Peace.